we're in the uh, we're we're blazing our way through the book of Hebrews and the book of Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians on Wednesday night, Hebrews on Sunday morning. I appreciated Steve teaching last week for me. I was a little under the weather and had a migraine and get a you get a little hangover sometime on a bad migraine. I wasn't able to think clearly, and I do some of my best preaching when I'm not thinking clearly. So, anyways. Uh, Jesus was perfected through sufferings as you will be also. That's going to be the uh, first 13 verses of this chapter. This chapter is so rich, so rich with information for us. I hope that we can just glean it out of here. Jesus is the ultimate example, as the ultimate example, he is, isn't he? Uh, was perfected through suffering. Uh, can God learn? Yes, he can. Can God change? Now, I know the Bible says God changes not. In his character, no. But when, when God wanted to destroy the children of Israel because they did badly, uh, Moses interceded for them and said, Look, you know, what, are the, what will Egypt say? You brought them out into the wilderness just to destroy them. You can't do it. Your reputation among the heathen will be bad. And that appealed to God, and the Bible says God repented of what he was going to do or what he intended to do to the children of Israel. So if God wouldn't change at all, then there'd be no use in praying. But we can change and influence God in the way he does things, and, and it was his emphasis on things. And even to the place where, where Moses saved the children of Israel because he interceded for him. He interceded for his brother Aaron. Now, I know you read the story of Aaron, right? How he made the golden calf when they wanted to make a golden calf. Oh, I threw the gold in the fire. It came out. Of, who's going to believe that story? I told better lies than that. When my mom and dad wanted, I, 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 I spun better tales than that. I threw the gold into the fire. Boom, come out this calf. Uh, by, by the way, it says in Psalm that, that uh, Moses said, I prayed for my Aaron because God wanted to destroy him. God was going to kill Aaron for that, and Moses interceded for him and saved him. You literally can save, or, or if I may say the word maybe, put off the judgment of God on someone by interceding for them. The Bible teaches us that. And that's why I believe in praying about this election. That's why I believe about praying about our, our situation in the United States. I believe, about I believe we should pray about abortion. I believe we should pray that God would do something. I, I, and I told you, I think it was last week or so, I talked about there's always those people that don't believe anything's ever going to change for good. Don't you be one of them. Don't be one of those folks. There's plenty of those, right? There's plenty of those. There's also a plenty of people to accuse the brethren, amen? The devil is the accuser of the brethren, and he's got a lot of people following. Don't you be one of the people that is naysaying and accusing the brethren and always down on, oh, well, that's what. Don't do that. Don't go on that side of the issue, man. You be on the positive side of that thing. Uh, I like O'Hara Vaughn when he said, let's, let's, err, let's err in faith, amen? Let's err in faith. Oh, he had too much faith. Oh, well, I'd rather be accused of that than saying I didn't have a lousy lick of faith to believe anything God said. I just want to believe what God says. You say, well, maybe you presumed on God. 
Well, I suppose you could, right? It's got to be in the will of God, right? Things have to be in the will of God for him to answer his prayer. He's not going to answer something that's harmful to you or horrible for you. He's not going to do that. And I, I, I trust him for that. By the way, when I asked my mom and dad for stuff, I trusted that they had enough wisdom not to give me something that would hurt me. You with me on that? I wanted a BB gun at 10 years old. I already had plans for killing every moving thing in our yard. And, and my dad said, no, I don't want to give you a BB gun. You're too young. And for two years, I begged him. I believe in intercessory prayer. You say, well, I don't know about intercessory prayer. Oh, yes, you do. If you've ever wanted something real bad from your mom and dad, and you didn't get the first request, you didn't quit the first request. Oh, my dad said quit. So I, didn't, no, I kept after him, man. I mean, I would say, oh, dad, am I old enough now? Am I old enough now? We're only five days older than you were last. I know, but maybe I've matured a lot in these last five days. And so eventually at 12 years old, the old boy said, okay, you're old enough to have a BB gun. Then I killed every moving thing in our yard. My mom came in one day and says, you know, there's no birds around anymore. That's because I probably killed four or 500 birds. I mean, man, I just killed everything that moved because I am a hunter. I am a hunter killer. And all you men said, hey, man, you women, <gasps> whatever happened to the hunter-killer man? Right there he is. Right there he is. But you're going to get up and say, man, Lord God, you got a 10-pointer? Was that a 10-pointer? Got a 10-point deer up in Michigan. Reed City, Michigan. He's from Reed City. That boy's from Reed City, brother. He got the deer we missed. You got the deer we missed. There was one out there somewhere. Okay, here we go. All I can say is, wow. Wow. What two verses are these? Come on now. Woo! Verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 12. 1 says we have a contest. And verse 2, we have a coach. You see it? We have a contest, verse 1, and we have a coach. Wherefore, seeing, we also, we are also comfort, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin, which does so, I hate to say that, easily. E easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before, and what's the last word? You're in it. There ain't none of you in this room that are out of the game. You're in the game. You're in the race. The Bible says, 94-year-old boy here, still in the race. Brother Sikora, as far as I know, still in the race. Even though he's getting ready to get his promotion. And so, we're in it. You're not too old to be. Somehow or another, you're still in the race. Amen? So be in the race. Don't check out on God. Well, I'm retired, preacher. Retired just means diverted to another occupation. Amen? It means you're just going to do something different. That's all. And it means you're going you're gonna to take up some other avenue of activity. You're not going to sit in a rocking chair. And, and and do that. This old brother right here, 
uh, this is our sign man. You remember our gospel sign guy right here? You haven't retired, have you? Can you hear me? Because if you can't, let me know. I'm used to old people. I mean, they'll look at you and go, they don't have a clue what you're saying. But uh, you haven't retired. You're still, out, you're still out pushing signs for Jesus, pushing the gospel for Jesus. I appreciate the fact you keep traveling around, giving away signs, getting stuff up. You're still in the race, man. You're still in the race. There's a contest. I can't, I got to stop because I'm just teaching. I'm not preaching this. Uh, but what a beautiful thing. We, we have a, we have how big a, how big a crowd of witnesses? So great. I told you this. I don't mean to be morbid. My wife and I finally pulled the trigger and bought a couple cemetery lots and real fancy cemetery in Naples. It's the only way I can live in Naples. I've never been able to live in Naples, never been able to even live in Benita. It's been too expensive. I'm living in old slummy Estero. And uh, <laughs> Estero's like the, the, uh, the uh, stepchild of Benita. But anyways, the, uh, anyway, we finally pulled the trigger, man. And what's beautiful about the cemetery, it's full. It was started in the 50s, and every place is full. Every, it's all the stuff's full. And I got like two, uh, two blank places where, right between there's people over here and people over here. I got to get to know my neighbors. People over here, people over here, people back here, people up here. And as far as I can see, there's people. What are they? They're a cloud of witnesses. What are they telling me? You're going to die. What are they telling you, man? Well, I walked out there. I'm like stunned, right? I'm like stunned a little bit. And I'm looking at all those things, and I'm saying, you know, every one of these people at one time were walking, talking, eating, had family, laughing, crying. They were experiencing life. And now their bodies, now I know they're gone. You know, I know their spirit's gone. I know that. But the bodies are here as a testimony. And we have a, there, I have buried in this church over 200 people that love Jesus. That's a lot of people. There's more people that I've buried than are in this room. And they're a cloud of witnesses. Sakura is getting ready to join. You buried a bunch. Oh, you probably buried a bunch of bunch up there at Winkler. But Sakura is getting ready to join that cloud. He's switching from us. He's going to switch to them. Can't be too down far down the road, brother. You're going you're gonna to get promoted from us to them. <laughs> I appreciate the fact she wants him to stay. My wife is, you don't think it's today? It Could it be today? You know, there's a song about that. Could it be today? But anyway, I've treated my wife in such a way where she will not grieve over me too long. Too long. And man, she'll say, oh. But anyway, we got this cloud of witnesses. I got to go on. I got to go on. It's a large. It's a. It's a word. It's a. The word picture is of a of a uh, like a football stadium with with the stands packed, shoulder to shoulder, three stories high, three tiers high, and we're in the middle of the playing field. We're in the game. They're out of the game now, but they're not indifferent. What are people out of the game? They call them 
spectators or cheerleaders. Usually when something goes down, they go, go team! I am convinced. There is no reason to show me something, show me something biblically. It would tell me that the people that have gone on before us are not engaged in prayer. Is there anything in the Bible that says people over on the other side can't pray? What we do have is we know they can pray because we know Romans chapter, Revelation chapter 6, I believe it's verse 6 through 9, the, uh, the souls under the altar uh, are actually praying uh, for vengeance. They're praying for vengeance. Lord, how long before you cause... He said, oh, well, you rest a while. But he said, it's coming. Well, they were praying. And then there's a lot of things they had, they had going. They could talk. They could remember. They could reason. They could hear. They could be comforted. They could feel anger. They had a concept of time. That was all. That was, and that's not all. There's actually 14 different things that they exhibited that they were alive. Amen. So don't picture the people on the other side as somehow sleeping as a, in a way of unconsciousness. They're not. I think they're engaged. I think they're for. I think McKinney's for what's going on. He don't know what's going on. I don't believe they know what's going on in detail here. It, it would be hard on them to do that. But they know that we're not there. How do we know? The rich man knew that Lazarus was where he was, and they knew his five brothers were not with him. How in the world that boy know that? Well, that knowledge, if this rich man knew that his brothers weren't with him, it would make sense to me that born-again people know you're not over there yet either. I don't know how. I know supernaturally God can do anything he wants. And so, you know, anyway. The witness, the word witness is an interesting word here, by the way. Um, great cloud of witnesses. The word witness means martyr, comes martion. That means to be faithful unto death. I'm going to be a witness for Jesus. That means you're going to be faithful unto death. We go door to door. We go bus ministry. We go passing tracks out. Now we have, you know, this is December track month. We're passing tracks everywhere. I don't know that one of the cars I don't come up to, hey, chief, I don't know that one of them cars I don't come up to, they're doing a drug deal and they shoot me. You can interrupt a drug deal. I've been door to door and interrupted a drug deal before uh, where it was real tense, got real tense real quick. And I, you know, backed off. Um, I'm still here. So, you know, you don't know. You don't know what you're going to, you don't know at any time. Some old, I think John R. Rice went up to a, a door, told the story, went up to a door and a guy met him with double two barrel shotgun right in his belly. And John R. Rice quick-witted as he was, he said, you can't scare me with heaven. I picked that up. I try to use that same thing myself. But we need to be a witness. We have a cloud of witnesses ahead of us. We're in the game. Let's go for it. They're rooting, if I may say, for us. There's this poem or song, you've heard it, stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Taking a hold of a hand and finding it God's. A breathing new air and finding it celestial. Of feeling invigorated and finding it immortality. Of passing from storm to tempest to an unbroken calm. Of waking up and finding it home. I believe it was Randy Alcorn in his book on heaven said, the first when you step in heaven, you won't be there very long. It'll be the first time you've ever felt at home. You say, I felt at home here. You haven't felt at home here. You don't know what feeling home's like. 
Right now, you know you don't feel at home here. You know you don't feel at home here. The way this world is and what's going on, man, it's vexing your soul as a born-again believer. You get up every morning, and it reminds you, it's reminded there's a darkness that settles over you in some degree. And like, like old lot of old, it vexes your soul, your righteous soul. What? Of their ungodly behavior that's going on, and their ungodly acts they're doing, and their lawlessness, and it vexes you. That's what we get. You can get, by the way, Christians sometimes get irritate, irritable and can be grouchy. Shouldn't be. That's when they get vexed, but they don't trust God. So when you get vexed, you just got to go back to God and say, God, I'm yours. You died for this word. The Bible, the Bible says the whole world lies in wickedness. It's not a surprise. So if, if you're expecting this to be Beulah land, don't, because it's not going to be. At its very best, you're going to have some freedom to move around, some freedom to preach the gospel, and some freedom to practice your faith without persecution. That's as good as you could expect on this side of heaven. We've had it in America, have we not? Wow, what a place, what a place. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let me go on. Let us lay aside. I want to go on that phrase, let us lay aside. And I'm taking quite a bit of time for these first two verses because, ooh, doggies are big. Let us lay aside. What lay aside what? You know people that train for the Olympics. Do you understand the sacrifice they go through? I mean, somebody that wants to be an Olympian has to give up food that you eat. A lot of food that you eat and enjoy, they got to give it up, right? They got to give up. They got to get up early, early in the morning and go out and run while you're snoozing. Or while you're walking around the house, uh, they, they, but they just the list goes on. They've got to train. They've got to they got to stay away from a lot of the cakes and the pies. They got to hit it hard. Make sure they if they're going to compete for the Olympics. And this this contest described in, in verse one here is talking about a, a runner in a race. Now the Greeks were real familiar with this as well as the Romans. They, they run the race that is set before them. And so to get in shape for that race, we are, excuse my eye here. I got something that's just bothering me. I'm going to just go for it. We are running this race, and in doing that, if you want to do well, you got to discipline yourself. What is laying aside? It's discipline. Do you know the discipline life's a beautiful life? Anybody say amen? You can say, man, it's okay. The disciplined life is a life full of rewards. Discipline gets its reward on the backside. Undiscipline takes its reward on the front side. You with me on that? Undisciplined people they take their pleasure and reward out of the front. They don't want to get up early, go to bed late, work hard, save, put their head down, shut up, gut up, take it, work, keep at it. Disciplined people will do that. They'll get up while it's dark, come home while it's dark. Uh, brother, uh, what's your name again? Bob Rose. Bob Rose told me about how he was managing three oil wells at one time. Three oil wells at one time. 
and he was going from one to the other, keeping him going, barely even saw Maryland. Sacrifice, discipline. Well, he's been enjoying the finances that he attained from that for all these years and been able to retire. This brother, how long has he been retired? 30 some years? Wow, that's unbelievable. Not many people can do that. It's, he's enjoyed the reward on the backside of discipline. Discipline comes first. You, you got you to be hard on yourself, and others won't have to be hard on you. Right? I was talking to my, my niece is on a heart transplant team. Both of my nieces are on heart transplant teams. By the way, she told me she can do three of them a day. That's pretty good. They can do three transplants a day. I didn't know they could do that many at 150 grand each. That's not too bad. So, what she was saying, their hospital in Elkhart, Indiana is at 130%. Now, 130% capacity. But it's flu, it's flu, colds, and COVID. I mean, it's, it's everything. The news media said it's all COVID. It's not. It's flu. It's just normal other problems that happen in the winter. Winter time's hard on people. And uh, she, she said that the, uh, they have been... You know, they've had to hold off some of their bypass. If you don't have an emergency bypass, they don't do it now. They're going to wait for it. And uh, I'm stalling around trying to think of why in the world I even started to say that. It's happening to me. So that was going to be a great illustration, by the way. Sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice. I'm so blank, I don't even know my name. But anyway, I'm going to come back to that. Let's pause on that illustration because it's going to come back to me by the grace of God. <laughs> Let us lay aside every every weight. I'm talking about discipline. Oh, I got it. I said, but nobody's dying. And she said, oh, they are. Heavy people. Obese people, it's a death sentence for. I'm looking at you. Obese people, it's a death sentence for. Young or old. She said, for some reason, COVID is radically hard on obese people. I thought to myself, discipline. People are generally obese because they lack, they want the instant gratification of overeating rather than the discipline of controlled eating. You know you're not supposed to stuff yourself every time you sit down. You know you're not supposed to eat, eat a whole pie. I know people, they'll, they'll bake a whole pie, put the thing, eat the whole pie with a big old quart of milk. See, I've been, I've been in the room of what I call confessions of obese people when they really tell you the truth. Now, she's not leaving because she's part of that. <laughs> she's our organ player, or used to be. Oh, she's not obese. I'm talking about obese. Obese. You need 30 pounds on you to go to the hospital. But obese, 150 pounds overweight, is a perfect illustration 
of discipline. 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 Discipline pays off big. And in your Christian experience, discipline pays off big. You memorize scripture. Uh, you read your Bible. You, you attend Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I guarantee you, one of those services, God's going to knock your socks off. And the one you miss will be the one would have knocked your socks off, but you weren't here. You got to give something up. Yeah, I know. Come to church, you give stuff up. But I decided a long time ago I was going to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I was going to I was going to sacrifice whatever I needed to sacrifice for those for those times. And many of you have done that. Say amen. It was pays off. If you wouldn't have done that, you would have missed such and such a sermon that changed your changed your life in some degree, or you would have missed when God came at a certain times. That you weren't there. And so, discipline. Let's lay aside every weight. Now, a weight is an encumbrance. It's not a sin. You're with me on that, right? It's not a sin. It's just something that's an encumbrance to you. And so, uh, and you you know, that the list is long. I mean, I don't know what, what you, you, there's just so many things you could list as weights. When I started preaching, I had a lot of weights. I don't know, Doc, if you did, if you had a lot of weights. But when I started preaching, um, it, it was a Bob Jones. They would have me preach in front of the other students, and they would criticize me. Can you believe that? They would say, "Well, you touched your you, you touched your face five times. That that's that's distracting. It's not a sin. It's an encumbrance. Anything I do to distract you from the message is an encumbrance." So I try to do whatever I know to do to make it palatable, digestible, consumable. The truth that's going on here. And that's why the young guys, like when uh, your brother, when he, when he came to preach after school, he said, and all that stuff, and all that stuff, and all that stuff. He said it about 25 times the first sermon he preached here. I said to him afterwards, I said, you got to quit there. And, oh, he says stuff like that. Stuff like that. First thing I'm saying it. It's very contagious. Stuff like that. He was saying stuff like that. And, you know, stuff like that. And stuff like that. And after, you know, Chris and I jumped on him like vultures on dead meat. I mean, we said, son, you got to stop stuff like that. Because <laughs> now we got it, and we're trying to get rid of it. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Oh, man, that drives me nuts. I used to do it. I used to do it. And uh, and uh, it's not a sin. It's an encumbrance. Uh, I used to say, etc. Etc. Chris Powell. He was real big on English. Chris would come up to me after him and he says, Son, that's distractive. It's an encumbrance. He said, you got to quit that. It's etc." I said, who cares? He said, I care. Okay. etc., etc., etc. And I tell you, there's been dozens of those things, by the grace of God, that I have been made aware of that were encumbrances, that were hindrances, that were weights to speaking. Not Oh, oh here's one, get you. You ever been around a preacher, they preach, and they all of a sudden they talk like that? It's not like that. It's like that. You can't hear what they're saying. Half you people can't hear what they're saying. It's not like that. 
I've learned not to go down, not to go down low because they can't hear you. You got to stay at a certain decibel so everybody can hear you, even the deaf people in the room. And I is one now, but I'm real sympathetic. And so you, you learn to have a volume, pitch, punch, pause, and progress. And you, you learn to, that's all about weight. That's not sin. I know a Kentucky boy show up here. His name was McKinney, by the way, in Vietnam. His troop, his platoon was run over. He was the only man to live. He was killed. He listened to all of his friends kill. He said they squeal like rabbits, and you know what I'm talking about. When they were killed, bayoneted and shot at point blank, overrun by the VC. And he said, God, if you'll save me, if you'll save me, I'll be a preacher. I'll be a preacher like you want me to be. And when I heard him preach, he was a preacher. I've never heard the English language slaughtered like that man slaughtered it. Ain't done, did, none, that, and that. But that was one of the best sermons I ever heard. So in his case, it actually wasn't an encumbrance. It was something to put into my mind because I never heard English talk like that before. I didn't know people talked like that. But God bless his soul. He, he can use it. So I'm not, I'm not just saying if you don't speak like I speak, then you're not doing the right thing. It's not about sin. It's just in this particular crowd, it's an encumbrance. Father, help us to be able to cast aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us and run the race with patience set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 one two eight five. Thank you and God bless.